Sit down and uh, you might like to take up a Bible, uh, Daniel chapter 6, uh, page 890, the reading that Fiona read for us just a little bit earlier. Daniel chapter 6, you'll find Bibles in front of you. And uh, boys and girls, in a moment, you might even like to come, if you want to, to come and see these very high-tech uh, visual aids. If you want to see them, because they're a bit too small, you might have to come uh, right up the front. Now, let me, before we look at Daniel 6 in detail, let me ask you, have you ever been in a situation where if you did the right thing, you would end up in trouble? Have you ever been in a situation where if you did the right thing, you knew you would end up in trouble? Here's one for the boys and girls. Uh, your mum asks you, who broke the vase in the living room? Was it you or the cat? It was you, but if you blame the cat, you won't get in trouble because it's very difficult for the cat to defend himself, you see. Now, has anybody ever done, been in that kind of situation? Anybody want to put their hand up? They've broken the vase and say, was it you or the cat or you or your brother or sister? Anybody? Yeah? What did you do? Anybody want to tell me? Did you do the right thing? Did you own up? I've got a little face looking at me. I wasn't thinking of you, actually, when that happened. Sorry about that. (laughs) But, yeah, you did the right thing, I think, with a bit of persuasion. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. That's right. Now, here's another one. Here's one for the adults. Um, You accidentally damage a car in a car park. No one sees you do it. You backed into the car and no one saw it. Do you leave a note with your name and phone number on it or do you just drive away? Anybody ever done that? Oh, there's lots of many hands going up. Yes, there's one over there. Did you do the right thing? No, we're not having any admissions. It's not, not confession time, clearly. Did you do the right thing? My, um, what would you do? Would you write the note? Hello? Clearly you wouldn't, or you'd have all said we'd do that. Well, uh, my brother actually uh, uh, had a friend who, when he got back to a car, had a note stuck on the, um, on, on the car, under the windscreen. And he'd had somebody bumped into him. And the note says, there are a lot of people around who've seen me do this. They think I'm writing my name and address. <laughs> Remarkable. Remarkable. Uh, we had our car bashed in the car park, so if you have ever done it, if it was a silver Citroen C8, you know, come and see me afterwards. Um, here's another one. Your teacher asks you if your mum and dad helped you with your homework. They did, but you know they shouldn't have. What do you say? Has that ever happened to anybody? No. No. You're all so good. They're so good. Well, look, uh, it's uh, interesting, isn't it? You can have these difficult situations and if you do the right thing, you'll get in trouble. Now, let's go uh, to Babylon. Over 2,000 years ago, in fact, over 2,500 years ago, Babylon, it was a wonderful place. In fact, it was uh, mums and dads will know, it was one of the, the great places of the world, of the ancient world. And uh, we're going to go to Daniel, and we're, uh, to, to Babylon, and we're going to meet Daniel. Now, we've been learning all about Daniel, of course, over these last uh, few weeks. By now, Daniel wasn't a young man at all. He was quite an old man, even though the picture doesn't show that. He was actually quite an old man, was Daniel, by the time we get to chapter 6. And he'd been living in, in, in Babylon for a long time. The Babylonian Empire had fallen down. 
He'd survived that fall of the Babylonian Empire and now the Medes and the Persians were in control. And of course, a beautiful, beautiful place. And uh, I'm sure in lots of ways it would have been ideal to live there. The sun might have even shone. Who knows? But uh, it would have been lovely. And yet for Daniel it wasn't great because of course he'd been taken there as a captive. And uh, so it wasn't a very good place for him at all. But Daniel had got on with it. He wasn't in a good place for him, yet he got on with it. And he'd become very successful. His career was going extremely well. Have a look at verses 1 and 2. And John's my, uh, my uh, narrator. He's going to read for us as we go through. So have a look at verses 1 and 2. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So you see, Daniel was one of these, uh, one of these three hot, t- highest places in the kingdom, and uh, Daniel was, was actually brilliant at his job. We learn that in verse 3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So do you see, Daniel was up for, um, up for a, a significant promotion. I mean, he must have, you know, in, in the world's terms, great. Uh, higher pay, all those sorts of things that he would have wanted. Now, this is a very important part of the story because we know, don't we? know the end of the story. Everyone knows Daniel and the lion's end. Everyone knows that Daniel's going to be thrown to the lions. But... Um, very important that we hear this bit because when things go pear-shaped for Daniel, we need to remember that Daniel's suffering was entirely unjust. He doesn't deserve it at all. He'd never done anything wrong, you see. And that is underlined for us in verse 4. At this, the administrators and the satraps try to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel. Now, I wonder, boys and girls, and probably mums and dads as well, if you've come across people who seem to be, have it in for you, they want to make life difficult for you. Ever, has that ever happened at school? Some people just don't like you. Uh, or at work? I wouldn't be at all surprised. In fact... When I used to be working with people to be Christians in the workplace full-time, when that was my full-time job in London, I often had people coming to me and say, that, you know, they just seem to be, they have it in for me, just because, uh, just because I, I'm a Christian. Well, look, Daniel's opponents tried everything to bring Daniel down. I wouldn't be at all surprised if they started to see if they could dig up dirt from his past. Had he taken drugs at university? I bet they looked into that one. Uh, any dubious relationships from the past, uh, dodgy financial dealings while he'd been in office. But you see, amazingly, the Bible tells us there were no flies on Daniel, not even marks where the flies had been. It was remarkable. Nothing. He was a very impressive man. Now, I wonder if we just stop at this point, if that could be said of us. I wonder if that could be said of us. I wonder at school, if people tried to give us a hard time, if even if they try... Actually, when they think about it, they say, no, they're, they're actually a really nice person. Even though I don't, don't actually, I'm not very kind to them, they're a nice person. Or at work, if people try to bring us down, if actually they say, no, actually, if I'm honest, they're very good at their job and they really are at a great example to us. I wonder if we, that could be said of us. I met a man this week. He asked to come and see me about Christian things and he talked about somebody in this congregation who worked in his office 
And he said, this person, who's now moved on to another job, but he said, this person had an impact on everybody in the whole company because he was such a remarkable young man. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And I thought, well, good on you. Isn't that brilliant? Now, Daniel was just like that. And so these men were trying to bring him down. And they realised there was only one way to bring Daniel down. Look at verse 5. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless he has something to do with the law of his God. So Daniel was, um, was known as a, as a follower of the Lord. And again, it's a great challenge to us, isn't it, if we stop there and think, I wonder if people know us as a follower of the Lord first and foremost, above, uh, above everything else. Uh, or are we closet Christians? Do we, do we keep the fact that we're Christians silent? If people say, what did you do at the weekend? Do we say, I went to church? Or do we say, oh, well, I, I had a great time uh, on Saturday, the sun was shining, and uh, we just don't mention Sunday morning. Is that right? Are we closet Christians? I met a man a few years ago who, who was, he was a real Christian, been involved in a church for many, many years. He'd worked in the same place for 20 years, and he told me, I've never told anybody that I'm a Christian there. They didn't know. That couldn't be said of Daniel. Well, Daniel was known as one who followed the Lord, and so these men hatched a plan to bring him down. Look at verses 6 to 9. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said... O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisers and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius puts the decree in writing. So there we are. They looked for an opportunity when Daniel was not around. Maybe he'd sort of had a day off for a bank holiday or something, and he'd gone off, and they suddenly all got together, whisper, 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 and they went into the king's court, and they went to see the king, and they uh, uh, persuaded the king to make a law that made it illegal to pray to anyone except to the king. It's illegal to pray. You can't pray to anyone except to the king from now on. And the king agreed and he made it a law. Well, what should Daniel do? Now you see, Daniel's in one of these situations. If he does the right thing, he's going to get in trouble. What should he do? Well, have a look at verse 10 and we'll see what he did do. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. So there he is. Daniel's gone home into his room. I dare say it wasn't a particularly fantastic room. He had a little bed and a little table, a little chair. And there's the window looking out towards Jerusalem, which was where he would have thought of uh, his home and where the temple was. And uh, Daniel prayed in front of the window. He prayed openly and deliberately and uh, there were the windows, wide open. He didn't draw the curtains. He could have done that. He could have drawn the curtains and still peeked through the the curtains, couldn't he? You know, he could have have put some neck curtains up, twitching neck curtains. (laughs) Just seen if there was anybody there. He could have done that, couldn't he? He, uh, If he didn't, he didn't go and pray in another room. I dare say he had a toilet. He didn't go and pray on the toilet, did he? He could have done that. It's okay to do that, of course, but he didn't. No, he wasn't going to be drawn. And uh, he didn't pray with his eyes open. Never done that. 
You know, when you want to give thanks for your food and you're out, you'll say, I won't show anybody that I'm praying. Dear Lord, thank you very much for all the good things that you give me. Thank you for that. You didn't do that either, you see. He knelt down and he made sure that everybody knew he was praying. Because, you see, for Daniel, he prayed deliberately, uh, because for Daniel, the Lord came first. So it's one of the things we've been praying for little James, that as he grows up, he would say, the Lord is more important to me than anyone else. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Daniel would have said that, you see. Daniel was a child of God first, before his own comfort, before his career, and before even his own life. I wonder if that could be said of us. Again, boys and girls, I wonder when you're at school, if you say the most important thing is that people know that I follow the Lord Jesus. Even more important than having lots of friends. And that's a really hard thing to do because we like to have friends, don't we? I wonder when we're at work, if the Lord is more important to us than our career. It's not saying that career is not important. It's great if you do a good job and you rise up through... You can influence lots of people, of course. It's great to have a good career. But when the clash point comes, when you've got a choice between following the Lord and, and doing, the, doing the right thing, what will you do? What will you do? Well, for Daniel, he would have put the Lord first. I wonder if I'm only a Christian when it doesn't cause me any trouble. Well, Daniel prayed, the satraps saw him, and then they went to the king, verse 11. Look at verse 11. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. So Daniel had been stitched up. And you notice the king had been stitched up too because the king didn't want anything to happen to Daniel because the king thought Daniel was a great bloke. The king wanted to give Daniel a promotion. And so the king tried everything to save Daniel. Look at verse 14. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Thank you, John. Well, there we are. There's Daniel. He's gone down the, down the pit into the lion's den. The king doesn't know what to do with himself. And eventually, it turned to night time. There we are. The clouds are going darker. Daniel's still down the pit. The king's gone home. The moon's come out. The sun's gone in. The stars are in the sky. And I'm still filling, desperately trying to think of the next thing to say. And there we are. And so, the, so there is the king. He's, uh, he, he, he's beside himself. You see, uh, look, look, look how, the, how terrible the king felt in verse 18. Then the, sorry. then the king returned to his palace 
and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. And he could not sleep. He went home, see, no entertainment brought to him, so he didn't put the telly on. He couldn't sleep. He was had a restless night. And you know when you're up all night how long it takes for the, the night to go. And he was off his food, it tells us. And I guess he just hoped that the lions were too. Yeah, okay. Well, you'll catch up. It must have been a very long night for the king. And uh, at the crack of dawn, at the crack of dawn, as the sun rose and the stars came down and the cloudy bits came up, then what happened? Back to the notes. Then uh, what happened? I don't know. What did happen? Well, at the crack of dawn, he rushed to the lion's den. Look at verse 20. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue from the lions? Well, there we are. The wild beasts hadn't touched Daniel, we learn as we read on, and all night they'd just been lying around. (laughs) And Daniel... Daniel was safe after all. It was great. The wild beasts hadn't touched him. Uh, And it was a miracle. And to prove that it was a miracle and that these lions were not just vegetarian lions or just uh, sort of domesticated lions, you look at verse 24. That proves it was a miracle. At the king's command, the the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Thank you very much, John. Well, there we are. It's a terrific story, isn't it? And uh, with lots of lessons to learn, and we've learned some lessons along the way, but what's the big point? What do you think is the big point? And why was Daniel prepared to put his neck on the block and his life on the line? Well, look at King Darius' words in verse 26 as we come to a close now. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed, you see. And that is the great theme through Daniel that we've been learning over these past few weeks. Let me read a couple of other verses for you. And uh, you'll see that that's been the theme. In chapter 2, verse 44, we read Daniel saying this, In the times of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Uh, In chapter 3, we saw that King Nebuchadnezzar tried to set up his own kingdom, uh, his own rule against God's everlasting kingdom, and the Lord eventually reduced him to insanity. And the comment after that sorry story comes in chapter 4, And verse 34, it says, His dominion, God's dominion, is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. And then last week we saw in chapter 5, when King Belshazzar thought he could mock the Lord, his kingdom was toppled. And we read in chapter 5, verse 28, these words, Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And so do you see, all the way through the book, we've seen the same theme. The theme of the book is this. The book is not about Daniel, it's about a kingdom that will never be destroyed. 
a kingdom that we can... And that's why Daniel would, was prepared to stand up for the Lord, because he knew that there was something much better to look forward to, a, an eternal kingdom. So that's how you make the choice. How can you make the choice between following the Lord and going your own way and, and having a comfortable life? You say, I know if I follow the Lord, there's a greater kingdom to come. And anything I try to do in this world is going to come to nothing. And Daniel knew that. And just as we've seen Daniel, who was the one, of course, who, who was, well, it seemed he was innocent and hadn't done wrong, so we think of another one this morning, uh, the Lord Jesus, who also, but more so than Daniel, was one who never did any wrong, uh, who was completely uh, just in all that he did, and yet he was uh, unjustly punished, so much to the point that he died on the cross, and we learn... Uh, later on in the Bible, that when, when Jesus died on the cross, he died so that even though we do do things wrong, we can be forgiven. And if we trust in him, we can be sure one day of going to be in the eternal kingdom, the new creation, a wonderful place, just like this with all the bad bits taken out, a place where we'll be for all eternity. And because of Jesus' death and because of his perfect life, we can be sure that if we trust in him, we too will one day be in the eternal kingdom. Daniel knew a little of that. We know even more of that. And that's why Daniel could stand. So the challenge for us, whether we're boys and girls at school, or mums and dads at work, or in our own situations, or if we're retired, wherever we are, we can stand for the Lord if we're certain of going to this kingdom. And we can only be sure through the death of the Lord Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Well, let's turn to uh, sing again. And uh, we'll sing of this trust, uh, we trust in